And um, <laughs> um, that was amazing. Amen? Amen? And um, honestly, um, I think it's important in certain moments just to recognize what, um, what you're witnessing and uh, to be here, to have had opportunity um, with both Lena and Kayla to have uh, connected with them in regards to their testimony, um, just, just deeply thankful. And uh, deeply thankful not to, um, not, not to anything more than the person of Jesus Christ, amen? Like he deserves all the praise. And it is, it is an overwhelming reality to watch a God break into the human heart in the way that he loves to do, amen? And the stories might be different and the, and the difficulties and the challenges that lead to that moment uh, uh, might be v- for sure varied. But the supremacy of Jesus Christ, I mean, to, to, to have that play out in the world today is a, um, is a stark reality of the work of the Holy Spirit, the consistency of God's word, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I am just thankful. And uh, I don't think there's any way uh, that there's anything else that would be better for me to get ready for Thanksgiving than to, uh, to see a baptism in the first service and those two in this second service. Um, not to mention like last weekend and, 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 and things that I'm, I'm hearing playing out in and around our church. I, I wish I could spend the rest of the service. Some of these things are forming and God's going to continue to confirm them. But, but conversations I'm having with people in our in our area and our neighborhood around us, just walking into our church, going, I just want to meet with somebody. Um, people in our church finding people come to them and just say, Hey, can you just tell me more about Jesus? My my, my daughter calling me uh, a few weeks ago and telling me that, that while she's off in Ohio, that a friend from high school calls her and is just like, Hey, I just, can I just talk to you about Jesus? And I'm just like, What is happening in this right now? And, uh, Last weekend, I can tell you one thing that's happening right in the midst of our church that I saw with my own eyes. Last weekend, over 120 students of our church, junior high and high school, on a weekend retreat. And um, so much I could say, let me just say this, uh, nine students gave their lives to Christ. Amen. And in that chapel on Saturday night, um, all I can try to give you a picture of, it's almost hard to even give you a sense of it, except that students at the end of this time of worship and in the Word were spread out everywhere in that chapel, repenting and praying and crying out and turning to God and um, exalting Christ. It was beautiful. And I just want to put this church on notice, both from this morning and from last weekend, This next generation is going to set the pace for this church on what it means to draw near to Christ. Amen? Amen. Their passion for Jesus is contagious. It's contagious. A bunch of them are down here. So thankful for that time last weekend. And it is a joy and honestly an unbelievable privilege to have any part in it. To to just breathe encouragement Um, on the flames that have already been built and stoked by Colin and his leadership and students, the the student ministry leaders, and not to mention the students themselves in the way that God is working in their midst. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And as I think about what we've already seen and what I saw last weekend, 
if there's a, a, a place in your heart and life where you're like, I want that, I want that, then um, this was the right service to come to because what I'm going to do today is I try to, to, to basically, it's going to be a little different than most weekends, I'm going to give a review of where we've been, a review of where we've been in this series, Draw Near to Christ. And let me start by just asking why, why so much time on each mark? Why an entire week then at the end of seven weeks of talking about drawing near to Christ, are we going to spend an entire week reviewing it? It's because these four marks are at the center of our church's vision for discipleship. How can we rush? But in today's microwave culture, we just want to throw everything in, hit two minutes, and expect dinner to be ready and hot. See, the marks of a disciple, they're not something that you, that you do for a season and then just check it off a list. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not something that I, I walk through in a season of difficulty. No, these marks that we're talking about should be woven into every part of your life, literally woven into the fabric of every part of who you are. And where there's inconsistency, God will not relent in his pursuit of drawing you back to himself. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is a lifestyle that extends into every aspect of your life. That's why we're spending so much time on each mark. It's so tied to our mission of making disciples. And so Mark 1 is drawn near to Christ. So we're going to review. I'm going to walk through really practically, kind of coach you through the sheet that we gave you as a guide, and then answer some questions that we've sort of seen and heard from our people during this series. But in addition to the questions that I already have, um, to talk about. I also want to put this phone number. Uh, you can text any question throughout this. So take an opportunity just to write it down, 616-625-9992. And, uh, and listen, I just want you, I want, I want to be open to questions you might have about drawing near to Christ. And, and although, you know, it's Thanksgiving week, so I might not be able to get back to them this week, but between me and our other staff people, we're going to respond to those questions and put them together and link them in a one of our Friday emails, our Christchurch Chronicle, and um, so that you guys can continue to be encouraged in this, because we cannot, hear me, we cannot let this series go. This series has got to grab us and hold us, because this is the mark of a disciple. And so let's review first four critical principles we established in the first four messages of this series. Walk through me as we review. First, Draw near consistently to confess your need. Draw near consistently to confess your need. Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This is the initial move of faith. You heard it in the baptismal. Got to a place where you're like, I'm not just around the words of Christ. I'm not just around truths of the gospel. But I'm taking hold of them and I'm drawing down on them to inform the direction of my life. Discipleship is a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith. It's a decision to follow Jesus. And in following Jesus, in drawing near to him, you hold two things. You hold on to two realities. One, how much you need him. And two, how sufficient he is to care for you. Who believes this morning that Jesus is sufficient? He's sufficient. 
in his character and his goodness. And when you know your need, which is, is, the t- is the tough one for some of us. Okay, like I don't have no needs. I'm independent. I can make it on my own. Mm. You're like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure your life shows that. Like, like, like you know your need and you know the sufficiency of Christ, both humility and faith in the God who is sufficient in all things. And when this happens, when you take hold of that and you start to see your need and you take hold of God, then as you take hold of God, he reveals more of your need and so you're like, I need more. And then God's sufficient for that and you take hold. And that's literally the way that uh, you, you climb closer to God or draw near to him. Knowing my need, the sufficiency of Christ. And that transformation impacts all levels of your life. It'll start to mess with your schedule. It'll start to transform your appetites and desires for sinful things. It'll give you new hungers for holy things. It'll change the focus of your heart and life. See, in discipleship, what Jesus is doing is he's actually transforming you from unholy to holy. And if you want to know who's got the most difficult job in the universe, it's that. Trust me. We're all big mess. And we all have this unholiness and reality of the fall. And that transformation from unholy to holy is the work of God. And it is hard and it is difficult and it is intimidating. True, true, and true. But we draw near consistently to confess our need. That's the first thing we need to review. Second is this. Draw near confidently because of Christ's sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Do you remember this passage? In week two. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, that's why we call it, hey, that person uh, uh, came to faith in Christ, they're a new creation. It's a new creation, it's new and living. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith because we've pulled on the lever of my need and God's sufficiency, sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's the process of God changing us. And when you think about this, draw near confidently because of Christ's sacrifice, here's what we know. We have no ability in ourselves to draw near to a holy God. the truth of God's holiness and to see the reality of God's holiness and understand our unholiness puts us in a very vicarious position. Because anyone understands that when imperfection meets perfection, perfection necessarily has to reject the imperfection. Does that make sense? And so we deserve the wrath of God. Like we deserve judgment. We're, we're guilty before a holy God of so many degrees of unholiness. We're guilty of our sin and our sin has offended a holy God. And we deserve, as a result of that, as the Bible testifies again and again, we deserve condemnation and death. That is justice. So the only way that that can be reversed is if there's a substitutionary sacrifice. Enter Jesus. And this is the beauty of the gospel that Jesus came to earth out of his love 
for you and for me. He proclaimed a new kingdom in his name and good news about how sinful man can be redeemed and reconciled so that they can draw near to God. Through his death on the cross, the perfect sacrifice, he forgave all sin so that everyone can be forgiven through faith in him. Amen? Listen, all sin, all, that's a 100% word, all sin can be forgiven. All sin. Now, because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished, we're not alienated or separated or condemned or abandoned by God, but through faith in Jesus, we can now respond to his love and be united and restored and adopted by God through Jesus Christ into right relationship with God. Amen? And so what that gives then is the word that you saw in verse 19. Since we have what, church? What's the word there? Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have what? Confidence. Confidence. It's confidence to draw near, not because of anything in me or in you. Do you understand the freedom that comes from that statement right there? You approach with confidence, not because of who you are or what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. And that confidence is what opens the door to great joy and peace and love and hope. Because now, through Christ, the tide is turned. And the sun has come out from behind the clouds. And the storm is calmed and everything has changed. When looking at God through faith in the work of Christ, you are no longer rejected, but you're invited to draw near. You have confidence. It's not rooted in your own strength or the inconsistency of your own identity or all the ways that your desires long for things, but but you're rooted in the strength, not in the crowd around you, but you draw near confidently because of what God Almighty has planned and fulfilled and lived and accomplished and continues to promise in the gospel. So we draw near confidently because of Christ's sacrifice. It's beautiful. And then this, third in our review, draw near to call on God guided by his word. This is Psalm 145, 18. If you remember that time together, left such a a mark on my mind at the end of the service, us standing and praying for one another and, and just so many different things that we saw in this season and some of the other messages. And it says here, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. So now I want you to see as you draw near to Christ where you're at positionally. So you come with your need You've had some revelation of the sufficiency of who Christ is and how he can reward those who seek him. And now you've entered into this place only because of the blood of Jesus Christ that's opened the curtain, the barrier of condemnation. And now before God, you draw near by knowing the word of God. You start to read and and study and consume and meditate and process and apply 
so that the vision of God's heart for you and for his kingdom begins then to to come from the, the word of God as you're studying it and interacting in relationship to God, it begins to shape your thinking and it begins to shape your, your, your heart and your desires and, and start to even give you a vision and a, and a clarity on what God's calling your life to represent and the opportunity that's there. And from here in this place of, of wanting and longing to be transformed, and to have others transformed. With God's word speaking to your heart and your soul, you start to call on God out of what you're receiving from God. And church, that is not a religious activity. If you start to engage with the word of God as the word of God is not just a book with pages and words on the pages, but that this is literally starting to bring me to a place where I'm understanding God's heart for me. This was written for me. And now I start to realize that the word of God is leading me to the person of God. And, and my encounter with this word is intended to sort of, sort of, be received and start to seep into every part of who I am. And, and then at that place when I've now been led by the word of God to the person of God, guess what starts to happen? I start to talk to him. I start to talk to God in light of his revelation and, and now you can see how it just moves to this place where it's like word and prayer and word and prayer and word and prayer. It's the revelation of God to me and then my interaction with God because of how much I want this word to transform my life. And you start to realize that the word of God can shape and mold my life and literally be a transformative reality in me. And when that happens, you've, you've moved past a place that many get to where they're in proximity to God at work. But when you get to that place where the word is starting to transform you and it's leading you to prayer, at that point, you've moved from I'm close to God, I'm in proximity, I'm around people, I'm around truth, to actual intimacy with God. That's a whole nother place in drawing near to Christ. That God beckons you and invites you and is possible because of what he did through his sacrifice. Draw near to call on God guided by his word. Then this last one, draw near to clarify the supremacy of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles open to Hebrews, you can turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 4. Let's review this one again. And let me just encourage you, if today you're sitting here and you're going, man, I, just, I, I need to soak this in a bit more. Um, I'm giving you a review of four full messages on our website. You can find them. I'd encourage you if you missed one of them to listen and to review more deeply. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. If you notice Hebrews has some, a theme about drawing near in it, you would be correct. Um, you know, around every corner you see the revelation of Jesus Christ leading, calling people to draw near and it's seen here. Chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession our confession of what? Our confession that I've got need, 
and that God is sufficient. That's a confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. That truth right there has been the the point of the arrow that I've seen pierce people's hearts again and again. When they realize he knows. He knows. For some, it's unbelievable compassion. For some, it's unbelievable conviction. But he knows. He's not, he's, he's, I have a high priest who is, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, he lived in human flesh, yet without sin, perfect sacrifice. So, since those things led us then with, what's the word there, church, again? Confidence. Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need draw near to clarify the supremacy of Jesus Christ. So need, need gets me moving. Need gets me to a place where I'm like, I got to do something about this need. I'm realizing more and more. The need gets me moving. I'm allowed to enter in through Christ's sacrifice, through the word and prayer. I'm drawn to the person of Jesus Christ. And then you begin to experience the power, majesty, and glory of God in the face of Christ. It's what happens when in worship or in, when you hear the testimonies in baptism and you feel like, I think my heart's going to explode. It's just like an immeasurable revelation of joy in the face of what Jesus Christ is doing. And so... At that point, what you realize when you start to reflect just on the goodness of Christ and you're overwhelmed by that and you're like, I don't need anything else but to stay right here where my vision of Jesus Christ is becoming a bit more clear. As you continue to draw near, see, here's what happens. Jesus becomes more than just a person. He's not just like, oh, oh, Jesus is this historical person and he was a good teacher or, or he did some miracles back then. He's not just a person, he's my person. Like, like it's personal now. As he's, he's intersected my life and I don't, even, I don't even need, I love the testimony of Scripture, but what I see from the testimony of Scripture is I want that to be my testimony. I want to take hold of that. I want to live in that reality. And over time, as you draw near to Christ, the supremacy of Jesus Christ gets a little more clear. Have you noticed that over time? It might be a message or a moment with God's word or a revelation of what you see in, 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 in God's people. Last week in the Revelation of, of God's love was so apparent as I watched students rallying to one another, crying on each other's shoulders, praying for one another. It was unbelievable. But all it caused me to do was not be, oh my goodness, what amazing students. No, it, I, I was just, what an amazing God. That was at work. The lines of, of who Jesus is, um, for those of you who are newer in Christ, uh, they start fuzzy. It's enough to captivate your heart, but it starts fuzzy. It's kind of like some of you who wear glasses or contacts. You wake up in the morning and you're like, I see shapes. 
And then sometimes those shapes interact sharply with your certain parts of your body and you're like, ow. Right? And, and, and in the same way as you navigate through the revelation of Jesus Christ through his word by drawing near to Christ, there's certain parts that are fuzzy. And when some of those parts become, become clear, it starts to strike certain parts of your heart. And in some places you're like, that's awesome. And in some parts you're like, ouch. And that's the work of revelation. Fuzzy at first and sharper over time. And Jesus begins to grip your heart and stir up your affections. He begins to fill your thoughts and guide your actions. And what comes from that is you start to love him and you want to be like him. And then you start to long for others to know him. Your identity becomes increasingly defined by him. And you look out at the world, not because someone argued you to it, not because someone got angry about something that the world believes, but the beauty and the supremacy of Jesus Christ is such that you've tasted something that now when the world offers you something, you're like, that is so bland and disgusting. Why would I want that? And it just becomes more clear. And then as the supremacy of Jesus Christ becomes more clear, more than drawing near to him, you realize that he has already drawn near to you. And that truth does more to heal the wounds of the human heart than any other truth. Right there, in that moment of revelation, you realize that it was always him working to draw you near. And you start to get a revelation of the power of grace, which is both beautiful and stirs up your affections, but also can just confound the mind. And overwhelmed by this love, the response of the disciple who is at this place of finding the supremacy of Christ more clear is that you just start to surrender and yield all of your life increasingly more. Wounds from the ways people have wrongly represented Christ in the past or, or the, way the, the way the world can wound us and confuse us starts to become more clearly understood in light of the face of Christ. And here in this place of increasing joy and peace and love and hope, that starts to be driven into your soul. You're captivated by the clarity of his supremacy. It's why... I, I really love God's word and I love God's people because each and every day operating in the context of the kingdom of God is like, a, is like a beautiful walk admiring something new and beautiful and captivating. Captivated by the clarity of his supremacy, drawn near to clarify the supremacy of Jesus Christ. This, in review is what it means to draw near to Christ as a disciple. And so, what I want to do now is transition, and I hope that that has sort of set the vision. But one of the things that happens often is, is that we, we kind of open God's Word together, and, and there's some aspect of being stirred by God's Word, and uh, I never want your being stirred up for God's word to, to be relegated to um, our weekend services. 
Because I believe that the Holy Spirit can, can, can work in you um, in powerful ways in and throughout your life. And not just on Sundays, but throughout your days. Because that's what a disciple is, is one who's regularly drawing near to Christ. So this morning, I, I wanted just to help you. And so if you could pull out this sheet that you got as you came in, I just want to walk you through it. I kind of want to coach you through this because I want it to serve you. So here's the beautiful part about this sheet. This sheet is just to lead you. We're just leading you. This is just like, hey, hey I'm just like an ambassador, and I'm going to take you on a little bit of a tour of what this might look like in your life. And so really practical now. I want you to remember as we talk about this that here's what you're going to need. It's, it's, it's Thanksgiving week, right? So everybody normally has some extra time off around Thanksgiving, um, if you don't, I trust that God will lead you to a time, and I want you to give about an hour to an hour and a half for, for you to uh, spend time uh, uh, processing through this, and just put it, on, now put it on your calendar, trust me, uh, create the space for this, and remember as you approach this, that, that more, we're trying to lead you to a place, but realize that our confidence that God can work through this is our confidence in the Holy Spirit. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you, and he can convict you and lead you and reveal the truths of Jesus Christ to you, okay? So here, notice this. Let's walk through some of these questions. What in your life needs to be eliminated so that you can draw near to Christ? You want to know one of the problems, honestly, we talk about this a lot at our church. If you're new to our church, uh, this is a regular topic. Um, our lives are distracted, and we fill them with so many aimless, pointless, sometimes sinful and problematic things. What in your life needs to be eliminated? I think most of us probably to find space and time to pursue after the goodness and the purity of Jesus Christ are going to need to say no to some things. That's the time to process through that. What conversations do you need to have to protect that space? Most of us have relational responsibilities as parents and as workers, as in, in, our, in our marriages, and, and so have conversations about, hey, I'm going to need to navigate this space, and let's talk through that together. What conversations do you need? What days, time, and place will you set to draw near? What days of the week? I'd encourage you to, to, to pursue Christ every day, but what are some times when you're going to go a bit deeper, and what time is, when is that going to happen, and, and what place is that going to be to draw near? What plan will guide your time in God's word? This is just like it's really good and healthy to have a plan. Just a plan. A Bible reading plan is really helpful. You can go to Version, the Bible app that you can find on any of the app stores. And, and that uh, Version uh, Bible app has a plans that you can click. And it gives you a variety of plans from reading through the Bible you know, an entire year. Or reading through the New Testament or a shorter um, a plan. But just have a plan just to help guide you. This is an important question. What other times in your day can you return to drawing near? You know at your workplace when, you, when you're given like breaks? I feel like when I grew up, that was always the smoke break, right? Like it's kind of funny. And so I just think that like the people of God should think about their day and go, you know what? I need to take some, I need to take some Holy Spirit breaks before I punch that coworker. You know, it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I need some help. Okay, I promise I don't want to punch any of my coworkers. Okay, I promise. And, um, and so, but, but like, we just need to have rhythms, right? We get distracted and 
and get focused on the tasks that we have to do and all the things we have to finish and the, the school coming class after class. And, and there's times we just need to step back and go, you know what, I just need, I need to take a little walk. And I need to get my heart and mind refocused on Christ so that he's saturating my day, not just my moments, and certainly more than just my weekend service. And so, uh, and I would encourage you with these times and days and reminders throughout your day, just put a reminder on your phone, okay? It's a really helpful thing. We can, we can use technology for good things, I promise you, we can. And uh, sometimes I've just put things on my phone literally to remind me to encourage people. At times I put it like pray for my family at this time, and it just reminds me and cues my mind up to something heavenly as opposed to where my mind normally goes, which is focused on earth and what's in front of me. And then on the back, who is going to encourage you and pray for you? Who is going to encourage you and pray for you? God does not want us to operate in this walk of faith in isolation. I mean, let's just look around this room. There's plenty of options. There's community groups within your home. You can ask for encouragement, have people praying for one another. And then at the end, that last section on the back is write a prayer of dependence on the Lord, asking him to give you a deep desire to draw near to him. Listen, I don't, I don't, please, please, please do not draw near to Christ because Pastor Brian told you. That's to unravel the entire thing. You draw near to Christ because the Spirit of God, through faith in Christ, exists within your heart. And he wants to meet with you. And he wants to counsel you. And he wants to commune with you. And that will transform your life. That's why we draw near to God. And so this space is an opportunity for you just to express this desire, acknowledging that, God, I can't do it And I'm going to fail at times. And when I fail, God, would you help me to get back up because of the joy it is to persevere? And so, listen, there's there's nothing nothing like special about this sheet except that the questions that we're guiding you to are what I see in every testimony of revival. That's what I see. Again and again, I see people like, I got to clear my schedule for more of Jesus. I got to pursue him. I'm going to set aside some time for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go after his word in it. I'm going to get some people around me that are encouraging me and praying for me. And I'm going to express my heart to God and God's going to meet me in it. And so I want to encourage you that this will just be a help of um, helping you prioritize drawing near to Christ. And so finally, I just want to conclude by um, uh, covering some questions that um, we have heard over the past few weeks in this series that our staff processed through this week. And then um, we're going to have that number put back on the screen. If there's questions that you have that might be off of this or ways that we can serve you, you can text those in. And, um, and so let me just process through some questions just openly together. First question. How do you help someone who is a new believer to engage in drawing near to Christ? What is the first step? I love this because there's people in this room. How many, uh, raise your hand if you put your faith in Christ in the last year. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. There's some people. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you for the honesty. Like really put your faith in Christ in the last year. And so here's the thing. Here, here's some of the things I would say first step. Let me, let me answer this question by asking you a question. 
Which book of the Bible has 150 testimonies of drawing near to God? What is it, church? Psalms. The book of Psalms. Right in the middle of your Bible. The most pages. They're testimonies of drawing near to God. That's a good place to start. Second question. Which books of the Bible are a revelation of the life of Jesus? Which ones? Come on, I heard it. The Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How about we start with Matthew? Start with Matthew. Uh, Psalms and Matthew, a Bible opened, journal to write in, and a pen. That's it. That's where I would, that's where I would tell a new believer to go. Just soak yourself in that. To find in the Psalms places where sometimes people draw near to God and based on the testimony of the Psalm, like they were really cranky that morning. There's times in the Psalms when they're like, they were really angry at somebody. It gives space for us to express ourselves authentically. Sometimes just overjoyed by God. Sometimes amazed by his creation and just reflecting on it. Psalms are beautiful. Matthew's wonderful because it starts to reveal the truth of the person of Jesus Christ. And just to consider this, that the question that you ask as you approach Scripture is, is this, how is this Scripture revealing who God is and how is this Scripture revealing who I am? And that's a great start. It's a great start. So that's how I'd respond to that question. Second one, how do you encourage the seasoned believer who is not experiencing a vibrant faith? It's a great question. I love to watch in the ministry of our church people whose faith has grown almost dormant for it to come back alive. It is the most beautiful thing that I get to experience as a pastor. Here's some of the things that I see bring vibrancy back to people's faith. First, get back to your first love. Just find yourself in worship, fresh new worship. Let it stir up your affections. Get clean. Get back to your first love. Get clean. Confess your sin to God and to others as needed. There's something that might be literally blocking the flow of blood to the heart of the gospel within you. Get counsel, wisdom to walk forward if you're stuck in any way. Got lots of people that are available to serve you in that way. Get focused on others. Like learn to serve others. Nothing sucks the vibrancy out of your faith and life more than to stare inward at all of the things going on in you, 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 me, me, me. Pouring out in ministry in the kingdom of God. That increases your desperation for God. Vibrancy comes from a heart that's in love with Jesus, clean from sin, walking with others, and using your life to impact others. That will bring vibrancy back to your faith. This question, is there something wrong if I feel like I'm just doing my duty? There's two lead-ins to doing my duty. One of them is what I would call loving perseverance. Loving perseverance is I know I love God. I'm not feeling that right now, but I'm going to persevere in faith to what God calls me to. That's loving perseverance. There's also, and I am doing my duty that's just doing what I'm doing with no desire for relationship, and I'm just doing it because at some point someone told me to do this, and that's why I'm doing it. That's dead religiosity. 
If you're doing your duty and it's dead religiosity, you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ and get a vision for Christ over your life. And you have to question at that point whether you ever have come truly to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if, you, if you're in a place of striving to be faithful and it's loving perseverance, um, join the ranks of disciples of Jesus Christ. There are times when it is loving perseverance in any relationship. In my marriage, sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's loving perseverance as a parent. Sometimes it's awesome and wonderful and beautiful. And sometimes it's loving perseverance. And with God, because of our fallenness, that's the case. And so sometimes it's duty. And then God works over time to bring desire. And then over time, there's these beautiful seasons. Like I would say I'm in right now where it's just delight. And I can't predict those rhythms. And I can't predict the duration in any one of them. But I just want to lovingly persevere in faith because of what I know Jesus has done in my life. That's how I'd respond there. How do you wrestle through seasons of doubt? I had someone tell me at the end of first service they'd never heard a pastor say what I'm about to say, which is shocking to me and honestly saddens my heart. Here's what I would say to that. Don't be embarrassed or ashamed of doubt. Don't deny it. Don't run from it. Continue to ask questions. I'm not afraid of any question that I've had or you would have. Like, yes, I, I think there's some questions that we've got to trust God with because we've got no answers this side of heaven because for us to know the answer to that question would make us God. And is anybody else in agreement that no one here should be made God? Are we all good with that? Amen? So like, like we're good on that. So there's going to be some things that we don't know. But we should continue to seek truth to discover. Doubt leads to discover. To discovery of, of more of who God is. And that's revealed in that. So in doubt, be careful of what sources you're going to that start to splinter off from what God's word teaches. And try to adjust it for our culture. That just makes everything bland again like I talked about earlier. But don't be embarrassed or ashamed of doubt. It's wonderful what God can do through doubt and wonderful what he's done in my life through that. And then finally this one. How do I work through a constant sense of condemnation regarding my sin? This reality of wrestling with condemnation regarding our sin and the shame that accompanies it is one of the things that honestly I think is a burden for disciples. How do I navigate through that? And there's different categories of that. There's condemnation regarding my sin because I continue to go back to it. That's a different problem. I'm not going to address that one right now. But the person who has recognized their sin as sin and has gone by faith to a place of confession in regards to God's forgiveness and sufficiency of His sacrifice... In that place, God wants his truth to wash over your life. See, don't excuse your sin or try to justify it, but, but come and get counsel. And the counsel that I would give you is, is to progressively and carefully get your eyes off your sin and on Christ. One author I read, I don't remember who, said, for every, for every moment you look at your, at your sin, you need 10 moments of looking at what Christ has accomplished and the sufficiency of his sacrifice. To, to help with this and to serve us, um, 
the next mark in this series is to know the work of Christ. So we're going to go right at it. And I'm so excited for this series. I was working on it a bit this week. We're going to spend every week learning to get our eyes off of our sin and on Christ and what he has done. And I believe God is going to, is going to unlock some freedom in our lives that we've never experienced. So I hope this time has been helpful to you and I'm trusting God's spirit to work in a time if you would have faith and commitment to take your need to draw near to Christ and walk through that sheet this week. I believe God will open up a door of thankfulness in your heart that you haven't opened yet. Let me pray for us. Oh God, the sweetness of communion with you is overwhelming. It's in moments like this, God, hearing the testimony of of baptism and and in baptism and, and to look out into this room full of people, I am thankful and deeply grateful and honestly intimidated. But I trust you, God, in your spirit to work beyond what I could ever accomplish. Even if I could meet one-on-one with every person in this room, God, what I want for them more as a pastor is for them to find themselves before your throne and let the Holy Spirit do the work of counsel that is more sufficient and more beautiful and more deep and more perfect than the wisdom of any man. So I ask that you would do that. I ask that you transform us in it. I ask that you lead us forward for your glory. God, continue the work you want to do in our midst. We lay it before your throne and we express our need and we believe that you're going to give us grace and mercy to help. Thank you, God. Draw us near. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we kind of-